This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, and with me, Cam Russell, and today we have the returns of... Um, she is the voice of news. She's the Walter Cronkite of Malaysia, on BFM at least. Uh, she is Danya Nair. Hello, I am honoured to be back. The voice of news, by the way, from BFM. <laughs> and um, she used to be a producer at BFM, and she's gone on to greater things, if it's possible. Um, she is Julian Yap. Hello. Not greater things. So, normal normal things. Yeah. It can't be yeah. greater things after BFM. It what can't. You, no, it'll nev- they'll never ever measure. Man, nothing like that. Yeah. I made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, one day that'll be a topic. But for now, our three <laughs> topics are, topic number one is, oh, Julian, it's so complicated. Casting faces that are iPhone faces. Casting yeah. faces that know Plus, what an iPhone is. All right. Casting faces that know what an that's iPhone is. That's why Daniel's the news. <laughs> and that's why I'm going to be saying things like kids these days. Um, <laughs> and uh, topic number two is New Year's resolutions. Should we even bother? And finally, topic number three is um, because a bit of culture is finger on the pulse. So it's the 1964 movie, Mary Poppins, and uh, a masterclass <laughs> in storytelling for children but also demographics, age demographics and change. So uh, topic number one, uh, Julian, uh, uh, casting iPhone faces, et cetera. <laughs> so just don't, don't make Cam say it again. Just, just say words. Yeah. <laughs> iPhone. Yeah, so uh, casting faces that know what an iPhone is. Uh, this is something that came about um, last year. Oh, sorry, not last year, 2022 now um, in... Um, July in the in the Netflix film Persuasion. It was the latest adaptation of um, the Jane Austen novel Persuasion, and Dakota Johnson was cast in it as the as the main lead. And um, the movie was 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 pretty was bad. Um, but that aside, uh, could be writing could have been an attempt to sort of flea bag eyes, you know, um, modernize a tale that's been adapted so many times. Um, one of the things that came up. Um, sort of as a meme, but has now sort of entered the ent- entered you know more, what everyone sort of refers to now as um, what she is an actress who knows what an iPhone is. So I think this started out as a tweet, which was sorry, I think Dakota Johnson is a fine actress, but she one hundred percent knows what an iPhone is, um, oh. and that is cast. So it's casting a face that is maybe too modern, or maybe looks too modern, and maybe doesn't fit the time that the that the movie is set in or the or, or the series is set in so typically this um you know works with period dramas um i was thinking about because wonka is out in the cinemas i think still i think it's just like ending right now where timothy chalamet is supposedly the younger version of johnny depp who is supposedly the younger version of uh sorry thank you that wasn't you know pause for Effect. I could not remember. <laughs> um, but I was trying to think of, uh, uh, you know, I, I've, I've gotten a lot of uh, videos, reels, tweets. That, so because of the the one instance where uh, with persuasion, you kind of see this every once in a while, whenever an, um, a drama, a period drama comes up with uh, Napoleon, with Joaquin Phoenix, um, again, with Wonka. I was thinking about Pride and Prejudice and the 2005 version with Kira Knightley. And people like to say that Karen Knightley's got a perfect face for 
for for you know historical period dramas period things because um, she's got imperfect teeth. Um, a lot of actors today. Um, a, a good example is maybe uh, Priscilla, the recent film about Priscilla Presley. Um, also Daisy Jones and the Six, which I think was a series on HBO. I think could be wrong or Amazon, um, where it was set in sort of 50s, 60s. But the actors look like they're from today because everyone's got perfect teeth. I think that's one of the things that you don't really realize, but it's sort of at the back of your mind. Everyone's yeah, no, absolutely. But, but I'm wondering, I mean, you, you mentioned perfect teeth and stuff. It's unavoidable. Right. I mean, we we look, we don't look like we well, did 200 years ago, 300 years ago. Um, no, we don't. Uh, but I even mean, or maybe like the 90s, you know, like the BBC adaptation of Prime Prejudice, for example, where you've got Colin more, in, yeah, like more interesting faces maybe, or more natural looking faces, probably. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, that... I mean, like with the recent Napoleon, um, one, um, Joachim Phoenix, the actor is 50 years old. He's the same age that Napoleon was when he died. So he was playing uh, Napoleon, who was like 22, but he's like 50. And uh, Josephine, the wife, is played by an actress who's like, what, 30 Vanessa, years younger? Vanessa yeah, Kirby. Yeah, yeah. 20, 30 years younger than Joachim Phoenix. And the actual Josephine, um, her teeth were all completely black. Um, oh, and, and in those days, it wasn't considered to be a really ugly thing. But also, she, she did apparently talk always with her mouth kind of very closed. Yeah. But, uh, but now, if you showed it now, it would be hideous. Um, yeah. uh, Danya, are you struck by the, uh, the, the age nonsense? <laughs> it is. I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not no, complaining no, with, with, no, with... It's not like a, it's not a problem, I don't think. It's more like a, does it, you know, does is it something that your brain sort of like, oh, this is sort of taking me out of the story a little bit. I was well, wondering but, yeah, if you guys felt the same. Well, because, you know, I read history all the time. So, yes, it does. Um, all the time. Danya, you? I mean, there, there are some some movies where you watch it and you just sort of know like, oh, yeah, this guy's not right for this role. Um, mm. Yeah. Like, uh, like even Wonka, because um, I did watch Wonka and it was a fun movie. But all I could think about is Til Timothy Chalamet's here dressed up like he's going to a fancy dress party. Yes, he is. <laughs> and <laughs> pretending to be Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of forget about it halfway through the movie, but there is a time like part of me is going like, what is Timothy Chalamet doing here with an Oompa Loompa? What is, is Hugh know? Grant doing there? What is Hugh Grant doing there? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, but there are certain points. It does kind of interrupt the, the movie going experience every now and again, especially when, when you are trying to go and get stuck in a in a movie or in a story um yeah i think the by i can't i can't think of a, another recent example besides wonka that i've seen where like it's just kind of ruined the experience for me well you mentioned think... you mentioned uh pride and prejudice kira knightley yeah. and uh, i watched the beginning of it and i just i switched off in disgust because it was uh i mean kira knightley's all right she's right but the <laughs> the movie that the setting they set it in a time like a hundred years before Jane Austen's yeah. period. Yeah, yeah. And they shot it in this house, which is very close to where I grew up, actually. I, I used to have to run around it at school. It's beautiful house. Literally too close to home. Well, no, because <laughs> I've, always, I've always loved that house, and it's actually starred in a, in a couple of movies. Oh, um, cool. And, uh, and I, yeah, I, well, I had to sort of huff and puff around it and then run back to school. Yeah. Um, but the... Uh, I, I couldn't understand why they said it 100 years before, unless it was simply because they just wanted to somehow legitimately use that location, which um, the Bennett family could never have afforded. 
And the whole point with the Bennett family was they're right next to the precipice of, of financial collapse. Mm-hmm. And they're clinging on with, by their fingernails. And the people who could live in a house like that one wouldn't have had that situation at all. Yeah, um, I do know. I do believe um, that they moved the time period because they didn't want the empire waste. Genuinely, because well, they, they didn't want on. the empire That's waste. Just, that is just... <laughs> <laughs> and the right. hair with the little um, ringlets. And bonnets. I mean, how can you do Jane yeah. Austen without bonnets? They don't want the bonnets. Yeah. Um, I, I, Christopher Chalamet. Chalamet? Tim- uh, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy. Chalamet. Timothy. Him. Um, <laughs> I, I actually saw that he... I always thought he was a very bland-looking fella. Um, well, but well, then I saw him in um, in um, Wes Anderson movie. Uh, par- oh yeah, uh, French Dispatch. French Dispatch. And I thought, oh, he's great. And but- I would forgive. He has that quirky, strange. You know, once upon a time when say do you, uh, do you Jack think Nicholson fit- turns up? Do you think he fits in Dune? I think it, it's similarly, maybe not as severe as Dakota Johnson, maybe, but he probably doesn't fit in in Dune. You know. Too modern a face in Dea as well. Too modern a face. Maybe. It didn't, yeah, he, he, his presence did not stop me falling asleep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to like you're more bothered by film. like, would it be correct to say that you would be more bothered by the setting of a movie, movie rather than the face of a person? I have been upset in the past, but at the same time, I, I've allowed myself to forgive things like Julie Christie in, um, in uh, Dr. Zhivago. Mm. Uh, she just doesn't look like she could fit into those times, but right. but she nonetheless looked so great uh, <laughs> for the movie. Her hair was very nineteen sixties, yeah, and but it's kind of like it's forgivable. So I'm I'm actually looking, yeah, I, you know, I accept that the people are taller now, they live longer, they look more youthful for a longer time. Actors, I mean, if you look back at the historical record, the people who were doing things at that time. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, he's old enough now to be have been the emperor of France as Napoleon. Mm. In fact, he's probably older than Napoleon was when he crowned himself. Uh, but no one's ever going to cast Timothy Chalamet. They're always going to we've got to get, get an older bloke because he has yeah, more yeah. gravitas. Well, yeah. So I'm all for casting young people. I think, I think that's the way to go, actually. But you're disgusted. Well, it's not, you, it's not, no, it's not casting young no, it's not casting young people, Cam. It's casting faces who know who's seen an iPhone, who's looked at a screen. But we all, looked at I a was... screen in their hand. I, there's another tweet as well. <laughs> <laughs> there's another tweet as well that it actually dates back to this is a tweet from 2018. Someone said, Some people just can't be believably tasked in a period piece like um Jessica Beale. You have a face that knows about text messaging. So yeah, I can see what you mean anyway. with Jessica Beale. But Jessica Beale is also a very TV. She's got a very TV face. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Isn't that another? It's very, that's another. I would love to know. I would love to know all of your their classifications for these faces. No, it's not me. Hollywood, Hollywood puts <laughs> puts puts that on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. This is something I think we'll be seeing a lot more of, just because you know okay. social media and how things have been, and we're seeing what a perfect face is and what a trendy face is as well. Yeah. You know. No, I agree. So, like the girl, the woman. Just to conclude, the the woman who played Josephine in. Um, in Napoleon, uh, she's a very good actor, and she looks amazing. Uh, but she could not possibly have been Josephine for various reasons. But she looked absolutely right for the part. No, 
Um, I think she was believably Josephine, even though uh, she was nothing like Josephine. I, I do right. I do know that you know makeup thing. You know makeup, actual acting. You know all of this comes into play. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we shall revisit uh, Julian's anti Timothy Chalamet and uh, <laughs> Dakota Johnson agenda. That's, um, no, I, I love them both. I love them both. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound like that. It doesn't sound like that. <laughs> well, um, I will revisit my smear campaign. <laughs> began here. Um, so we move to uh, Danya. Um, New Year's resolutions. Yes. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, So, I mean, apparently you you two haven't done this, but I have very much grown up in a scenario of everyone, all all my friends, where we do like uh, New Year's resolutions. Because because if you think about it, right, it's really nowadays, if you now that I'm older, it's meaningless. But when you're younger, that's like (laughs) that idea of like, it's a it's a new year. It's a blank slate. So we can make all the changes that we want to make and we will be optimistic and enthusiastic about it. But the problem I realized with a lot of uh, New Year resolutions is that there's a very much, it's always a big change. It's always a big change. It's always like, oh, I'm well, going to I'm gonna get fit this year. I'm going to get a six pack this year. Um, and it's always a all or nothing kind of mentality. Like this is the year I'm going to do it or it's never going to happen. Or it's, or it's kind of like, this is the year I'm going to do it. And if I fail, I'll just wait for next year to come around again so I can make the same <laughs> resolution. So I just think the res- the New Year resolution thing is a bit pointless because I think it sort of sets this idea like you can only make change happen at a certain period of time. And, and most of the time when you make these kind of declarations, you're in like this euphoric state of like, yeah, New Year, New Me kind of thing. And you don't actually have a plan and you're just setting yourself up for failure. So that that's my point about it. I think I think we should I mean if you want to make a resolution on New Year, that's fine. That's completely up to you. I'm not coming up here to tell people not to do it, but I'm just arguing that um if you go if you want to make a change, it starts with like plans and it starts with like behavioral changes that are hard to make. You know, they're they're hard to make and and you you just you just end up disappointed at the end of the year. Um, <laughs> that's what I think. Anyway, uh-huh. I, I I have never I can admit it here. Um, I guess with some shame that I've never ever met a New Year's resolution that I've made. Um, as far as I remember, and I haven't made them in a few years because they they never work out. Wow, oh, Danya, you sound that sounds just like me at the beginning of every single day. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Julian, are you a New Year's resolution kind of gal? I'm not. I've never, I don't think I've ever made one, to be fair. I've never made one. Therefore, I've never met one or broken one. You see, you know, you can't set, your, don't why, set yourself up for disappointment. Why not? Maybe this is two different types of people here. Maybe Danya, myself, and Julian, because I also haven't, uh, oh. were separated by some psychological chasm. That, that Danya, you think, for instance, you have some sort of optimism. Wouldn't uh. a, a kind of optimism that, that you think, I could do this. Yeah. But underlaying un- underneath that is, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> right? Then, Whereas me and Julian, it's just like, it's just not gonna happen. I mean, but don't y'all, when the New Year, when it's like almost New Year, don't you have this feeling like, wow, like everything is new. Everything is, is like positive, you know? It's all <laughs> sunshine and rainbows and this is the time to get, you know, to achieve our dreams. Don't yeah. you? Yeah, just, just why? 
this is why Daniel is one you. of no. This is why Daniel is one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I no, think so, but, but what but do Danya, you all, all feel when the new year is approaching? <laughs> No, but Danya, you're also choosing that thing, that New Year's resolution thing, which we all know has embedded within it the story of um, that people don't do them. Yes, that's true. You know, uh, I mean, if there was another, I can't think, but your birthday, for instance. I mean, birthdays, I mean, that's that responsibility. That's on you then. And you've got to come up with the goods if it's your birthday. <laughs> yeah, but you don't that's, do that, do you, Danya? but but it's i mean you don't start off thinking you're not gonna do it you you start off genuinely genuinely you think you're gonna do it and then you just kind of you it's kind of the realization as the days pass by after after january 1st that like oh yeah it's not a new year new me it's a new year same me yeah yeah (laughs) but it's like tuesday now yeah (laughs) how many seconds after Happy New Year! Does that does that realization come to you? It takes it takes a few days. Few days, yeah. yeah. It takes a few days because I heard like I think like eighty percent of people in the first week of January like fail their fail their resolutions or like stop well, doing it. Yeah, yeah. But of course, um, I mean, um, sports gyms, uh, their memberships go up in uh, on the first of January. Uh, people go over and like I'm going to go work out and everything. They 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 buy their membership and then by February they're not there anymore. Of course, but um. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I do admire people who can stick to them, you know, yeah. decided to change, you know, like they, they, they changed their life. They, it's December and they're like, wow, look how far I've come. But I don't think I'm that kind of person. Yeah. Well, Danya's not either. So no. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, but um, I, I wonder if uh, I, it's one thing that often crosses my gambling. Okay. I wonder if this is connected. Gambling. I, a lot of people out there do have a problem with gambling addictions and stuff. I do not. Because I never ever have gamble, and that's because I know I'm going to lose. It's it, it's just an absolute certainty. Why bother gambling? I'm just going to lose. So I just do the sensible thing and just not put the wager down. But if if you do gamble, then you have a thought in your mind is like I could win or I will win. Mm. And and I wonder, Danya, if if that you're kind of you're different from me in that you kind of think, hey, I can do it. Yes, but I would also like to clarify that I do not have a gambling problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to throw you all into the same. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, I I'd like to think I am. If there is something to do or a possibility of something happening, I I I would think that there is part of me that always thinks like, oh, this could happen, or this could work out, mm-hmm. or, um, I mean, life's too short to to like not try some things out, you know. Um, That's true. Yeah. Daniel, you have a twin sister. Are you are you both the same? Are you in the same camp in this? Do you think? <laughs> I think I think she might be a bit less optimistic. So I'm sorry. Right, right. So the two of you balance out there. It's like, don't do it, Danya. Yes. <laughs> <That'd be stupid. laughs> he balances my, yeah. my optimism with realism. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Julian, if you were forced to do a New Year's resolution, I was shaking her head, just like not forced. even going to think about it. Pure force. I genuinely couldn't think of one. I think. Oh, I was. You know, I thought some uh, sort of you know twenty six. You know that like little like like the the time that the week that doesn't exist kind of year a uh, bit. The week twenty fifth, twenty sixth to thirty first doesn't exist. Um, during that week, last yeah. week, two weeks ago, um, that um, uh, there was. I think I got a reel or a TikTok or whatever that was talking about resolutions. And I 
complete, I think I completely forgotten that they exist or that they were a thing because um, it just doesn't, it feels like there isn't pressure as much anymore. Maybe we're not being marketed like, oh, hey, join the gym, get that, get that new year in your body. Um, I think because everyone's sort of more cynical now and just sort of, yeah, it's a Tuesday now. You know, it's the first now. Yeah. We'll just change the date. To have. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel like a thing that I'm being spat, like I'm not being spat at, you know. With I, 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 I well, I think it's me and Julian are cynical. Um, <laughs> we could call ourselves realists, but it's just, you know, we're defeated. Whereas Danya, <laughs> Danya's still full of hope. She, yeah. Danya's she thinks the she can do it. But it's, you know, the hope is dying, dying every day. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That's, that's how I want to end well, every... What about you? What about you, Cam? What would you do? I mean, I could say that I'd, I'd, I'd like to give up smoking. But mm-hmm. um, if I threw it into the New Year's thing, I know that I, know that I, I would be letting myself off the hook. That I'm not going to do it because that's what New Year's are for. I'd have to do it <laughs> private. I have to do it me. It has to be me on my own, away from the, you know, the... The, the the new year's kind of crowd and uh, and I have to bit seriously. Um Daniel, did you do in? Yeah, well, yeah, okay, Daniel. What, what was your what was your one? Go on. I mean, if I had to, I, I really wanna um read read more books this year because I feel like as I've gotten older, like my my I used to read a, like a lot. Like I'd read like at least like one book a week. That was the minimum. And now I feel like I barely read like one book a month. So mm. that would be my, my resolution. If I, if I had to make a resolution, like I'd like to up my reading, my reading game again. Well, I, I made myself, oh. I made that resolution during, um, during MCO, during COVID times. Um, so, and I, and I've but done, not I at never... the start of the year. So it doesn't oh, count if no. it's not at the start of the year. Well, I suppose it's, well, it's not New Year's resolution, is it? I mean, it's just a, the, just a plain old, just a, just a thing, yeah. just it's a change, whatever. just a habit yeah. now. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Before we devolve into complete, uh, we will check with Daniel in, in December. In December, twenty twenty four. Oh yeah, we'll check our reading list. Read all the book. Yeah. Yeah, we'll check our reading list. Um, okay. Well, in a moment we come back and we're going to be looking at um, perfect storytelling for children here on a bit of culture on BFM eighty nine point nine. And we're back with myself, Cam, and uh, Julian Yap, and Danya Naya. And now, topic number three. Um, as I said, because we're a finger on the pulse here at Better Culture, we're going to be looking at the 1964 movie, Mary Poppins, by Walt Disney, uh, starring Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke and other people. Uh, now, I know that Julian Yap is a huge fan of Walt Disney movies, or Walt Dis- just the whole Walt Disney Disney thing. Ah, uh, but not the man. Not the man? No? Not the man. No. Oh, okay. One. And uh, Danya, are you kind of Disney... Disney? Uh, yes, yes, I do. Lo- I do love Disney. I'm not sure if to the same extent as as Jules, but I I do love. I mean, every millennial loves Disney, so you know that's right. true. Millennial. Oh, well, interesting you say that because um, I watched I watched Mary Poppins the first time the other day, and it came out in 1964. It's before I was born, and it's the same year that the Beatles burst onto the scene in America. So a lot of things happened in 1964, but also is a demographic sweet spot for Walt Disney in that. Uh, from the years 1945 to 1965, America had this boom in babies. And uh, so when uh, Mary Poppins came out, I looked at the demographic chart. Just a massive amount of, say, 10-year-olds to to uh, 5 to 10-year-olds. The largest amount probably the world had ever seen in any one nation. 
And and I would imagine by watching the movie that in those days, kids used to go and watch the movies on their own. Uh, they'd be dropped off by the parents, go in there. And they'd just say to the kids, go in there, buy yourself a, a cinema ticket, a packet of cigarettes, and go and watch the movie. <laughs> because, yeah, kids used to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> and um, because nowadays when you watch Disney movies, I'm sure Julian would, would concur, uh, there are jokes in there aimed at the adults uh, who, who are accompanying the kids. But Mary Poppins didn't have any other. And I, I had to watch it. I watched it and I thought, this is a work of genius. But at the same time, I thought, I'm really very bored. Uh, but because it, there was nothing for an adult. The, there was no, oh, no, there was no sense. The plot was tiny, but things just jumped around. And it reminded me more of um, Teletubbies or um, Spongebob. Because the images there would have made no sense to any child. Um, that it was set in a time that Walt Disney himself was born into. I mean, it made no sense. It was just bright colors and singing and, and happy faces. And if there was a plot, it revolved around one thing, which is that children, young children, they only want one thing in life, and that is for their parents to talk to them and to take them seriously and for parents to play with them. And at the end of the movie, that is precisely what happens. The father plays with the kids and says, let's go outside and fly a let's kite. Go fly a kite. Let's go fly a kite. <laughs> and it's, it's, very, it's very moving because that's the first time that father speaks to his children other than to say, go away. Mm. Uh, and indeed, the mother never even once speaks to the children, except one point she Thanks. says, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and I wonder if that was the, says more about the um, standards of parenting back in those days. But also in those days, um, the American box office was the single most important thing. Nowadays, the global okay. box office is very important. Mm -hmm. I think it's like 50 50. Uh, so Walt Disney had the, the opportunity to make movies for one market, which was the American market. And for kids, they were just overflowing with children. That moment will never happen again. But I just wonder if for children's storytelling, to really be honest to the, the audience, is um, to show them visual gibberish. And I mean that in a good sense, in that it's, it's just arresting visually that the actors are grown-ups and they're committed to it. Julie Andrews is absolutely committed and she's fantastic. And that you don't try to teach the kids. You don't try to mold them. You give them what they want, which is they simply want their parents to listen to them and to take them seriously. Uh, that's what I took away from Mary Poppins. And next week, we'll be looking at the 1925 <laughs> <laughs> pilot movie by Abel Gons, Napoleon. Um, no, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, Julian, so you're, you're a Disney fan and you've watched yeah. pretty much all of them, I should think. What about, I mean, modern Disney movies, are they, they got stories no, and stuff. They've got stories and stuff. Mary Poppins is one of my favorite, I, I think I watched it every day as a kid. It was one of my, my most favorite films. When you say, um, how, old, how old were you as, when you say as a kid? How old are you? Uh, I, I think my it was the sh the movie that my parents put on the TV all of all the time. I had I I still know the words every single word of every single song, mm -hmm. and probably every scene. I don't know. I love this movie so much. Um, so that's like throughout my childhood. But uh, I've been thinking about this recently because of the recent film, the Disney film Wish, mm -hmm. um, and so kind of what 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 you've said, Cam, where it is just a lot of things happening. I think. There was a, so there's a bit in Wish where it's a group of seven 
uh, friends, uh, the main character and her six friends. So the seven of them, uh, sorry, a main character, seven friends. They're supposed to, um, they're supposed to call back to Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. Um, at some point in the film, I wanted to just look at the seven faces. And that's when I realized the entire, there is not a single bit in the entire film where it pauses on a single scene. It holds on a scene for more than two seconds. Um, it's just, it just keeps moving. It ju it's just so many colors, so many things that keeps moving in front of your eyes. But um, the story is just simple and it's little and it's, uh, it, it kind of have, has the same thing where it gives, you know, kids kind of that voice. But probably, I don't think, not in the same, probably doesn't do it in the same way that, you know, older Disney movies does. Yeah. Uh, did, did before Mary Poppins and stuff. Because it, it kind of feels like, like okay, so like you said, that the, the, the more modern movies have something for adults. I would, I think I disagree where Disney, especially, I think especially Disney, I don't think a lot of companies feel like they have to do, do this as much as Disney, but especially Disney feels like they have, they feel like they've got to sort of sanitize everything so that they can appease every single market and they can um, make sure that the, the movie is appealing to everyone. Like you said, it's the global, the global box office now. Right. So it's the vanilla. most boring movie. It's the most vanilla movie ever where right. before, even if you go back to even Frozen, Frozen has got, you know, this thin or cheeky little adult sort of jokes. You go back to maybe like, um, Hercules or Tarzan, they've got little innuendos in there as well. So I don't, mm. it feels kind of sad. I don't know. I, I don't like it. I don't know about you yet. All right. Danya, did you have a, um, a, a film that your parents would neglect their parenting <laughs> <laughs> just to dump you in front of the TV with? I mean, I, I did watch a lot of Mary Poppins. Um, I did, and also a lot of Sound of Music. Um, yeah. Out of music, um, but but I do think there is uh, like I do agree with what you said, Cam, about like Mary Poppins. When I when I think about it now, it is definitely like it is definitely like designed purely for children. Um, and I think now it will be hard to say how I feel about it as an adult because it's all colored by nostalgia and and good memories mm -hmm. of the film. But there is definitely a sense of when I watch uh, other movies like with the kind of like Hercules and stuff that that Julian said that it. There's a sense of like, oh, they they are they are making a story for children, but they're just slipping in bits that you know are meant for for adult viewers. So there is a difference in in watching. There's a different experience in watching them. There's a yeah. it's kind of like oh, like I'm just gonna put this in for the adults who had to take their kids to watch this movie, so you're not too bored. Like here's a little like tidbit for you to like enjoy, just to like break the boredom kind of thing. And I, I, I don't think I've watched a recent Disney movie that I can say I purely, purely like enjoyed. Um, yeah. because like Jules said, they're that it's like they're trying to it's trying to reach the too many different audiences at once that it just kind of ruins the whole like authentic Disney experience of how it used to be. Um, because at least last time they weren't scared of like scaring children or like, yeah, you know, or like or just like targeting yeah, adults yeah. specifically or things like that. So. It's definitely a different experience, and I think Mary Mary Poppins because Mary Poppins is is scary and and like wonderful at the same time. I used to be scared of the the feed the feed the birds part. I don't know why. Yeah, really scary. <laughs> yeah, I was oh, like, wow. just scary woman. Me. Yeah, the woman was scary. What? I was like, why? Who is she? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, okay. Yeah, but but well, that was that's pretty like a really good example of like a movie that's completely like that's like a childlike wonder to it because it's made for children. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, can I ask then, uh, 
like I say, it was made 64. It's set in like the early 1900s. So it's a 60 year gap. So for us in our time now, that would be the 1960s. The way to go back. And, <laughs> and so Disney made that movie Cruella, um, which was set in the 1960s. And I was watching that one, which I thought was a terrible film. Yeah. And, and I was like, I, these images, kids, they wouldn't understand what the illusions are. The, the music makes yeah. no sense. Um, <laughs> Why would anybody be interested in Cruella de Vil? I mean, you have to re restate this character. Yeah. Uh, anew, but they were just sort of borrowing and sort of assuming that these kids had watched the 1960s originals because they're like really old or something. Uh, um, so I mean, in terms, and, and also the, the new Mary Poppins, I mean, revamping these winners from the past, I mean, it's just a waste of time, isn't it, Julian? I think it, I, for I, I think that it's sort of, this is like the middle ground that they could kind of, because people were saying, you know, don't make a carbon copy today of, you know, they did Beauty and the Beast. They had, you know, the original Beauty and the Beast from the 80s, the, 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 the animated film, and then they did, you know, Emma Watson, uh, Dan, some, Dan Stevens. Uh, don't do a carbon copy. Don't do a, like, don't do a gritty remake like Snow White and Huntsman with uh, Kristen Stewart. So this is their middle ground that is also kid friendly, which I don't, I don't enjoy. I don't think it, like, like you said, you know, it, it should be able to stand by itself, but it really doesn't. It, it requires, you know, five hours of watching. You've, yeah. you've got to watch, you know, you've got to watch Blank Close. You have to watch Blank Close be Cruella de Vil first before you can see Emma Stone. Yeah, we, we are clearly not the target audience, but <laughs> <laughs> that would be really weird. <laughs> uh, Danya, I mean, you know, have you put away childish things? Have you moved on? Do you ever, do you ever yearn <laughs> for a, a remake of? Um, of... No, I mean, I mean, in terms of remake, and especially, especially children's movies, I don't, I never understand why they want to remake them because well, there was clearly something about them that worked at that time, and people carried with them still. So I, I never understand why they want to. Remake them unless unless a like a complete generation has like passed by and the new generation's coming up and for some reason or other the movie you know has never been watched again since then okay yeah go ahead and make a new film because no one has a recollection of how it used to be but but other otherwise you know you know why try and fix something that isn't broken yeah I, you know what's crazy the new Lion King the one with like Beyonce and Charles Gambino yeah. um that's one of the most successful movies of all time. I've Which is wild to me. I've no, the, the one <laughs> where they made, you know, real lions, but they're all that's completely animated. Um, Lion King, and I believe the Aladdin as well, the the new one. Um uh, with Will Smith it, as the genie. Yeah, it's one of the most successful, if not one of the most if not the most successful Disney movie of all time. Besides all right. like Frozen. Well, yeah. actually, uh adjusted for inflation and all that kind of thing, Mary Poppins is. Um, and it's it's a monster. Uh, yeah, it's, it's amongst the most successful movies of all time, behind um, uh, Gone with the Wind and stuff. Yeah, but oh, yeah. uh, it's a hugely successful film, and and I agree with that, what Donya was saying. I think that it was just a demographic sweet spot. It was just yeah. a moment in time, and there were a lot of kids, and it just appealed to them and the, their parents for that kind of Mad Men generation, um, yeah. sitting at home drinking martinis and telling <laughs> the kids to shut up. Um, so yeah. Oh God! Well, they're Mary Poppins, and uh, as I say, next next week we'll we'll be looking at <laughs> cave paintings. Um, <laughs> so we move on. 
to uh, recommendations uh, where we recommend something that we think might be of interest. And uh, Julian Yap goes first. Um, I'd like to recommend, um, can I recommend a double bill? Because I, I did it recently and it was pretty fun. Um, and I think everyone's done this before, but I'd like to recommend it if you haven't done it in a while. Um, I'd recommend you watch The Shop Around the Corner from 1940 and then watch You've Got Mail. After. I you know, I've, I've never watched um, Shop Around the Corner. I've Neither heard so much I. about it. Which is better. I, Which it is was better. my first. It was my first time seeing it. It was, and I like the, the having that comparison because it it is you know inspired. It is the, the inspiration behind it, but also, um, the the the, the having that comparison, uh, the, sim- the the simplicity of that first movie, but also the little quips that they do. The some of the best you know dialogue that they've got. Mm. In, in in film and that it's it's so good and then you've got mail which is i think one of the most perfect movies ever made so well, nancy myers is a very clever woman yeah uh, okay um great so that is your recommendation is it julian you yeah. said you had like a hundred others but that'll do <laughs> i'll save them for you next time okay all right yeah so the um, shop around the corner and then immediately after you've got mail uh, which one's going to win oh Hello? no they're perfect they're both good don't okay okay don't, don't pick them against each other okay but, okay yeah. Uh, uh, Danya, what's your recommendation? Um, I'm going to recommend, I don't know if it's still in the cinemas or not, you might have to wait for it to come on streaming, but I will recommend uh, The Boy and the Heron, uh, Studio Ghibli's latest movie, Hayao Miyazaki's latest movie after coming out of a diamond for like, I think like the third time or something like that. Um, <laughs> if you if you aren't into, if like you've never seen a Studio Ghibli movie or, you know, you, it's been a while, you haven't? This nope. is the this is the time, Cam. This is the time to jump yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's like a classic kind of Studio Ghibli movie where it's like fantastical and some parts just don't make sense, but because like everything is so beautiful, you just okay. <laughs> and like <laughs> there's cute characters and things like that. And but and it's like those type of things are like dealing with like themes of like um of like death and loss and grieving. It's got all those things. Um, I would really recommend if you're still in the cinema to see it on the big <laughs> screen, just because the art is so is so beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. Hayao Miyazaki likes to do like um, hand drawn. He doesn't like all the other animated techie stuff. So it's a really a great great like movie going experience. Um, Popcorn Culture did a review on it. If you want to hear more about it uh, <laughs> on VFM, but. It's a really, really good movie if you've never seen a Studio Ghibli movie. And then you can, after you watch, you can you work your way back to the other Studio Ghibli movies that are famous, yeah. like Spirited Away and House Moving, um, House Moving Castle and things like that. Yeah. Do you think it connects in a way to what we were talking about with Mary Poppins earlier? And that perhaps? Yeah, I was, I was going to bring yeah. it up before, but um, so it, I think Hayao Miyazaki is a good sort of example because he was sort of, you know, he grew up and he was building his career in that in that in in the time of Mary Poppins and 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 you know the older type of the way the older way that stories were told and this film feels like that where it's a lot of there are scenes where they don't necessarily have to lead to the conclusion yeah. they uh, also it is based it's not based on but it's inspired by a young adult story so a hero's journey of com- a coming of age hero's journey of these are the things that will make you how you are Mm. And it's sort of like like Mary Poppins a bit, yeah. And it's kind of more uh, important to hit the emotional, um, yeah, po- uh, points as opposed to the plot, which he does super well. Yeah, he does super well. And also because Hayao Miyazaki in general is always very much a advocate of children in in a sense. Um, it makes more sense if you watch the movie. But there's very much a he his storytelling 
he respects the children who are watching it. There isn't a sense of I'm making this for adults. There's definitely that kind of feeling Mm. when you watch it as well. Okay, so that's um, the heron, heron how? The boy and the heron. Boy and the heron. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I I have found myself (laughs) in conversations where I'm nodding and pretending I've watched it. (laughs) I watched his this movies. Would, this, this would be the this would be the one. This is the one. This could oh, be is, your is this, New Year's this... resolution, Cal. No, don't do that. Oh, it's not going to happen. Now. Oh, Dan, you ruined everything. I was just about to. I mean, it's just yeah. it's just your 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 Thursday resolution. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Talk down to me. I'm not going to fall for that. But it it does sound good. Um, okay. So uh, my recommendation is. Uh, yeah, here we are talking about Mary Poppins, even though the world is turning to disaster around us. And on a small level, um, so I'm a big fan of Korean movies. And um, so the actor, Lee Sun Kyung, died. I, I don't really know exactly how, was it suicide? Was it drugs? I don't know. I don't really want to know. Um, but I really liked him. And I have to say, I've made a point whilst watching all these Korean movies of never trying to know the names of any of the actors. Hmm. Uh, Why? Well, oh gosh, we haven't got much time. But (laughs) no, because once I was in, I was in China, and I and I looked at these big posters of these uh, advertising posters. As in Shanghai, and there were these faces that I recognized: sports athletes and movie stars and stuff. And then there were these faces I didn't recognize who must have been huge stars in China, but I never, I, I don't know who they were. Were they actors? Were they singers? I don't know. And when I looked at those faces, people I didn't know, they looked so ordinary. And then I look back at the ones who are familiar to me and it's like Brad Pitt. I mean, Brad Pitt's a bad example. He is very handsome. But, you know, <laughs> there, were, there were other people just like, actually, they look so ordinary. There's nothing special about them. It's just that mm-hmm. I've been swept up in the Hollywood PR machine. I know their names. So when I discovered Korean movies, I decided, I'm I'm not going to get swept up to, in the PR machine. I'm just going to look at their and their faces on the screen, and I and that's it. And join the dots through their work alone. So um, when I discovered his name and discovered that he died, I was very sad because I really liked him. I thought he was very good, and he he had he played he could play very bad people, but he was very charming. And um, so I just want to recommend his movies, but two in particular: uh, Joe Pilho, uh, The Dawning Rage. And very good one, A Bad Day. Similar characters, actually. Um, but they're, I don't know, they're funny and they're gripping and, and he's very good. Um, mm. So I was very sad to, to hear about his death. Uh, but uh, that's uh, Lee Sun Kyun. Um, Julia's nodding her head, you're familiar with. No, I, I'm familiar with him, but I've not seen uh, these two. Another movie that he's really good in is Oki's movie. movie Oki's movie. Um, but no, I've, I've not seen enough. I think I've just he- seen him in that and in uh, Parasite. Parasite, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. Okay, well, that uh, uh, brings us to the end of this week's show. And only remains to me to thank uh, Julian Yap. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And uh, Danya and I. Thank you. I had a lot of fun, as always. So I just want to double check. So you did not make a resolution this year. This is the I first year. <laughs> the first year you said, no, to hell with that. It never works out. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Yes, there's up. no point. There's, there's, I, I probably made a resolution secretly in my head, but just not said it out loud. And I don't think I'm going to say it on radio. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. If Daniel can't do it, what's, where, there's no hope for us. No, no, I, I'm very pleased. Daniel is joining, not the dark side of the <laughs> force, but the, 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 the kind of the broken, 
Oh. The defeated side of the horse. Yeah. We're just the background extras in the um, in the in bar Daniel's in, in uh, <laughs> on uh, what was the what was the planet? Um, what was the bar in Star Wars? Do, 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 Tatooine. Tatooine. Yeah. We're, we're, Julian and I just in the background. Whether that defeated. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that brings us to the end. And, um, uh, well, thank you very much. Welcome to 2024. Uh, let's hope it's a good one. And uh, see you next time on A Bit of Culture on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.